Hello and welcome to season three of For the Love of Duluth. My name is Tom Jamison. I'm a former lawyer who moved to Duluth about seven years ago. I moved to Duluth after I bought a business called Lake Superior Medical Equipment, hanging up my lawyer hat after 25 years. Joining me is my co-host, Yvonne Myers, a registered nurse and lifelong Duluthian, and of course, the marketing director for Lake Superior Medical Equipment. So why did we start a podcast called For the Love of Duluth? Because we love our town and the people and places that inhabit it. If you already live in Duluth, we hope this podcast will teach you things you never knew before about the place we call home. If you are planning to visit Duluth, we hope this podcast can act as a tour guide of sorts, giving you an inside look at the best people, places, and things that make up our unique city. Duluth is a star of the show here, and our guests help it shine even brighter. We hope you love this podcast as much as we love the city it is named after. This is season three of For the Love of Duluth. Superior Street or through the Lincoln Park area of Duluth and there's one thing you will see plenty of breweries. Duluth is known for its brewery scene and for good reason. From Bent Paddle to Duluth Cider there are so many exciting options when it comes to getting a brew and each brewery has something that sets it apart from the rest. Thankfully for Duluthians there are breweries aplenty. Some offer delicious food, others a space to catch up with friends and to listen to live music. Because Duluth is a town full of brew lovers, new breweries are always received with a lager-than-life welcome. Such was the case when one Duluth couple announced they'd be opening a new brewery with a twist. Lake Superior Brewing was the oldest microbrewery in the state when it shut its doors back in 2019. A Duluth staple at the time, the community was devastated when it closed. That's when one Duluth couple swung into action, purchasing the brewery with a big dream innovative ideas and a new location in mind. The news was something we all cheersed to. Sarah and Seth Maxim purchased the spot in 2020 and got to work. Reviving the Lake Superior Brewing was no easy task. First came the new location, a former fitness center and tanning salon in the Lakeside Lester Park area. Next came the vision, one the couple spent the next few years bringing to life, gutting, remodeling, and planning the space. The result? Nothing short of magical. Today, their hard work has paid off. Lake Superior Brewing has been a standout since its soft opening earlier this year. Your average ordinary brewery, this is not. It has a menu that would make even the best chef drool, delicious brews, a full bar, and a rental space, known in this case as a brutel. That's something worth toasting to. It's all a full circle moment for Sarah, who is joining us today. A Duluth native herself, she lived in Lester Park during her childhood, the same area of town that now houses her bustling business. Her family moved to a hobby farm in Wisconsin, but she eventually found her way back home to Duluth, where she lives with her husband and co-owner, Seth, and their two children. Today, she is here to talk all things Lake Superior Brewing. Sarah, thanks for being here with us today. Thanks for having me. Let's start by talking about your upbringing. You were born in Duluth, lived in Lester Park, and then grew up on a hobby farm in Wisconsin. What was your upbringing like? It was interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was born in Duluth, Minnesota. Um, My parents first lived on Lester River Road, and then um, for a few years on Oneida in Lakeside, or Lester Park, I should say say. Shortly, um, I think maybe three or four years old, my family decided to move out to a 40-acre hobby farm um, in Ulu, Wisconsin, um, kind of 
by the mouth of the Brule area on Lake Superior. And I, I was out there really up until college um, for the most part. Uh, we did a little stint in the UP as well for a little bit in my kind of nine to 14 years, but we always had the hobby farm. So um, I grew up on 40 acres with creeks and rolling hills and fields and pretty much every animal you can name. I definitely was instilled hard work and making things from scratch and growing and, and cooking your own vegetables and canning things and very much uh, not a super modern way of life, I guess, uh, compared to today's world. Um, but it gave me um, a really big appreciation for um, nature and the world, you know, that we live in. Um, it was pretty awesome growing up to the mouth of Brule as well. So we had that big Lake Superior right. influence. Um, and it was definitely our our go-to, um, you know, for jumping in the lake and, and swimming as, as kids and canoeing and kayaking. Yeah. Ulu is a Finlander community, a wow. township um, okay. just outside of Brule. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. I paddled a little bit on the Brule and it's beautiful. And you said you, you did a little stint in the UP? Yep. My family did a little stint in the UP in Watersmeet, Michigan. Um, we did kind of a volunteer thing in the Northwoods there um, for a, a handful of years and then kind of back to the hobby farm. Um, and then I moved back to Duluth um, and started college when I was 17. So, so you started college at 17? At 17, yes. Holy I was homeschooled, God. actually. So oh, it wow. gave me a little, wow. a little leg up on the okay, timeline. Okay, so wow. And then you went to uh, UW Superior? I did. So what was that like going to college at 17? It was, it was great. Um, I enjoyed it very much. Um, you know, I think you're lucky because you're a woman. And so at 17, you're somewhat mature. Like, uh, guys, <laughs> I don't think we do well at 17. We're not ready for college in our 20s, you know? It can be the case. It yeah. can be the case. So that's amazing. So 17 and you, you, you just adjusted to it. And even though you were younger than, than all most. your college classmates. Yeah, I had a little bit of an introduction. Um, I So at 17, I started uh, as a music major in the fine arts um, department at EWS. Um, and I had been studying with a professor there since I was 14 for music wow. privately. So I, I was, you know, it was a little more comfortable, I should say, being that I had been there for many years on a small level. Right. Of, so of did you, do you play an instrument then? Um, piano and, and voice. Oh, um, wow. Yep. So I, I almost have a full degree in um, music performance and in my third year I switched to social work. <laughs> really? So my full degree is in social work with a minor in music. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when did you graduate? Oh, let's see. Um, I think I did a five-year stint. So it would have been 2006, I think was my final classes, okay. but I don't think I walked until seven because I did an internship abroad, which kind of dragged out my... Nice. Where did you go abroad? Um, I was in Bosnia. Um, Bo- are you kidding <laughs> <laughs> in like two, in 2005 or something? In 2006 um, or seven, I believe. Holy cow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I did a, a five month um, kind of study abroad internship through U- UWS um, in the social work department. Wow. And then when I came back, I think the timing worked where I actually graduated like that winter of 2007. Probably with like people that, so. who by then you were probably about the same age as a lot of the people graduated. Yes, right yes, now. yes. I was definitely right right in there by the time I was done with my extended journey, I should say. (laughs) So what made you decide to go to Bosnia? I mean, why 
why, why did they have a program for Bosnia and the social work? Um, well, it was kind of a cross of two worlds. There was a professor um, in a political science that did a um, study abroad kind of part of the class where they did political science and history, um, specifically on Bosnia and the war and right. and cultural and social situations there. Um, my social work professor also had a connection um, with someone there and um, ended up kind of I couldn't I couldn't do the I did the political science class but I couldn't travel at the time with them it just didn't work out timing for me and I really wanted to go um, and she said well how about your internship in in Bosnia so she had a connection there uh, who someone that worked as a social worker who she connected with me with and she was kind of my my mentor slash um, director I guess there and and um, it turned into a lifelong friendship now she she and I are good friends and I actually helped her come do her master's in Duluth and oh. Cool. All of that. So um, kind of a roundabout way. But um, I I fell in love with the idea of um, traveling and also a, a really big interest and heart for humanitarian work and international humanitarian work. I had hoped that some doors would open where I would find a gig and could, you know, work internationally. But it never happened. Life has a funny way of yeah. doing what it does. Right. Um, well, those are uh, and those are tough gigs to, to get. And and, uh, and being from little right. Duluth, Minnesota. Right. Right, um, right. You know, we don't always have the same right. You're and... not you're not coming from Georgetown and, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. with lots of contacts working for the UN, yeah, or the State Department. Yeah, it's, yep. it's, but anyway, you went to. I promise you, we're going to get to Lake Superior. <laughs> but I always find the journey fascinating, right? I always yes. find it fascinating how you got here, where you are right now. So you went to Bosnia, which was an amazing experience. I must have is still recovering from the war, I assume, and and uh, I hear it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And, the people are incredible um the most generous loving kind people and they've been through hell um when i had was there it had been a good 10 almost 12 years post-war um but they were still still really feeling a lot of the economics and social and and physical aftermath of war i mean there's still shell holes in the ground still buildings that hadn't been put back together even though money has been funneled there there's a lot of corruption a lot of mafia um so funds don't necessarily go where they're supposed to go and um, a lot of poverty um but a lot of resilience and, and really just amazing, very generous, kind people. What a great experience to kind of underlay your, your future life. Because even though you didn't, you might not have gotten that gig you wanted to get, it was still with you. It's still part of you and, and yep. part of who you were in that experience. Yep. Uh, so 2006 or so, you graduated and you had this music background, but you graduated also with a social work degree. So what what did you do next? Well, throughout college, I worked in restaurants. Um, so I... I As mi- so many as many college uh, <laughs> folks do um i in 2000 helped uh, my foster si- siblings open the china star in hermantown my mom and i kind of spent a year or two getting that was a, a used car building um we're involved through the remodel and the, and the business setup of that um i was a part of that for 11 years through college oh okay um i was definitely a, and maybe probably still am to my detriment a uh, a doer and a go-getter where I've always right. had multiple jobs right. and multiple things. But I, yeah, so I, I worked at the China Star, but then I also kind of eased into fine dining um, along the way. While I was at UWS, I worked at 
the boathouse in oh, Superior. Sure, sure. It wasn't around for terribly long, but um, really fantastic chef and delicious food. Um, kind of my first introduction into fine dining and real food and real wine and things like that. Um, I um, I found I found I found a, a huge love for food and all things delicious um, <laughs> and the the flexibility and the freedom of of working in the restaurant industry, especially in Duluth with its highs and lows, allowed me to. Um, kind of continue my my love of travel that kind of spurred on from my my first big trip. I actually had two trips when I was at EWS. We did a music trip to Brazil as well, which was really awesome wow. at the music department. So kind of spurred this like, I want to go see the whole world. I want to eat all the delicious things. I right. want to drink all the delicious things. <laughs> um, and it kind of, um, you know, I guess opened the doors and the floodgates for my love of all things delicious and Right. And, You've and seen travel, all these kind so. of pieces that eventually kind of get mm-hmm. put together in the puzzle. You, mm-hmm. you did a do-it-yourself thing with the yeah. China Star. You saw how you took a building that had nothing to do with the with restaurants and turned it into a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And then you've you got a fine dining experience. And so so now what are we talking about then when you're kind of at the boat? So yeah, my, my post my post uh college days, um, you know, I, I kind of kept waiting maybe for a door to open, uh, you know, international social work wise, you know, um, I I really knew that I still wanted to travel and uh, unfortunately, a starting social work position in Duluth or Superior, Wisconsin, especially well, how many years ago is this? 15 years ago now. I'm aging myself. Um, you know, the, the, the pay was not great. Right. So I, I was like, well, I could get a job, my degree and, you know, start from the bottom and work my way up. But that means I'm not traveling for the next 20 years. Um, so I, I stayed in the restaurant industry um, and really enjoyed it. Um, I worked at the, the boathouse. I worked at Le Bistro, the French restaurant in Superior. It was only open a few years as well um sir benedict's uh sir where the Benz. boat where the where the was it the boat club is now the oh yeah in the figures building right 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 mm-hmm. right yeah, yeah. and then it turned into midi after that okay uh, the bennett's bob bennett's place yeah and then um my my longest stints then after that because i still did the china star for a very long time um was at sarah's table i was there for 13 years oh. and then i tagged i always had a dinner place so i would do a breakfast joint and a dinner joint um so i did at sarah's table for about 13 years and then kind of a bistro Bennett's on the lake and then scenic cafe for about six years oh scenic too wow you hit all the I know all the all the the foodies (laughs) so at Sarah's table was at the breakfast spot or was at the dinner spot I mostly did breakfast um in my you know in my serious working days I kind of I doubled Tuesday Thursday, Friday, Saturday, wow. and did Sunday mornings Holy as well. Um, but I, I loved it. It was really hard work. Um, it was definitely hard on the body. Um, but come Duluth, um, it's no man's land in November and no man's land in March usually. And everyone's scrambling for shifts. And I would say, see ya. I'm yeah. going on a trip or yeah. I'm going for 10 days or two so weeks. You, or... Went, you, you got your travel bug. In I was team. able to work it in. Yeah. And I'm grateful awesome. that I had jobs that allowed, you know, the flexibility and, and, um, and security to do that too. Right. You know, um, wow. So every year yeah. you'd take a couple of international trips. And if just... I could. Yep. And then That's I met really my husband, cool. um, in, I don't know what, how long has it been now? 2009 or 10 maybe. Um, and he was kind of on the same mission of falling in love with food. 
how did you falling meet, how did traveling. You meet, how did you meet your husband? Your husband's name is Seth. Seth, yep. Yes. He's uh, um, also kind of a crazy roundabout life story. But um, I went to college at EWS, and I played on the soccer team there. Um, and uh, Seth's now sister-in-law, my sister-in-law, Katie, was on the soccer team. Oh, okay. And so we played. I played soccer for three years at UWS and um, Katie uh, had been dating Seth's brother since high school um, Oh, okay. and eventually they got married um, but in a roundabout weird way Katie and I remained friends for many many you know well since since college many moons later um, Katie sent Seth up and I on a blind date wow really uh, it was very strange uh, we both had been in long kind of long term relationships with other people and one day she called me like four times like I don't know I just have this crazy idea michael and i think you and seth need to go on a date and you need to do it now because he's leaving town and he's moving to aspen and he might stay there (laughs) so i said okay i guess sure um so yeah so we we went on a very uh spontaneous kind of impromptu blind date we had crossed paths many times and knew of each other but um had never specifically hung out per se or had conversations so um we went on a we went on a date um and then he told me he was headed out to aspen to do a a ski winter out there and and work and kind of have a little bit of change of pace and and um we talked on the phone for about a month and a half straight and that was kind of it you know wow (laughs) wow and you brought him back to well he was planning on coming back but he was at that he was at a pivotal moment after kind of a big breakup as well of just being like i need a change i'm going to do something different right go clear my head and go ski in the mountains for the winter not a bad idea yeah so um so anyways yeah so at the end of his trip there i flew out to aspen and we kind of had another big official date and that was when it was kind of became official and wow years later we got engaged in aspen um oh nice it's kind of fun in the same mountain and all that but yeah life has a funny way of, of doing things but um we surprisingly we you know like i said we had been kind of in and out of each other's lives in in um subtle ways for many years but we realized that we had so much in common and really wanted the same things and had a lot of the same passions and interests and drives and um so so he and I, over the last, I guess, I don't know how many years, 12, 15 years, maybe somewhere around there, have really together kind of just dove into food and travel and right. all so, things delicious so, together. So, so. So, he's, <laughs> so you've, you know, for lack of a better term, you've de- developed into kind of a foodie. And, and, and had he had the same sort of experience where he had worked at other restaurants in town and gotten hooked by all that? In a roundabout way. Um, so uh, he helped open Dublin. Um, oh, okay. I really Group Hub downtown sure. here. His dad and his brother own that. Oh, um, I think they opened uh, maybe 17, maybe almost 18 years now. Um, and that was his uh, post-college um, kind of gig. He was actually going to go on and and get a probably his plan was to be a doctor, and but he decided to pause that and kind of help the family business get open. Um, but from there, fell in love with with food and um, all things delicious as well, um, and even brewing beer there for about eight years. And at the, at the Dublin. At Dublin. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, and we're going to have to fairly soon take a take a break here. So, I guess we're just we're extremely fortunate that you and Seth kind of decided to to take this next step, this huge adventure, which obviously has lots of risks associated with it. What were you both doing at the time you decided that you were going to why purchase we, a brewery? Why were we crazy and decided yeah, to yeah, purchase an exactly. eight thousand square foot fitness center? Well, um, you know, Seth's plan was always to go back to school and and to do something different. Um, As the years went on, he kind of fell in love with 
food and and making beer and and making food. He kind of helped them open their kitchen there and ran the kitchen, um, ran the brewery, things like that. Um, But, you know, it's a family business, um, which always has its complications sometimes. Um, We love his family. They're awesome. Um, But it was always his plan to to do something By the way, now you own a family business. I know. It's just (laughs) us, though. This was a lot of family members all all together. Everyone has worked there at some point. Um, The the big crux was um, when uh, Duluth decided to dig up Superior Street. They tore up all the steam. Um, And his brew system was a steam. He he used Duluth steam. And in the end, they were told, well, you can keep it. Everyone else kind of got to keep it. And they were the last block to get finished. And for some reason, they were not able to keep any steam on the block of between... Oh, you're kidding me. um, First West and... Or Second West and Superior Street there. So he he lost his um his brewing Did capabilities. Did they get compensated for that? No, no. Kidding me? <laughs> no, it was a little ugly. Wow. It was, a, it was a little ugly and kind of a trying couple of years of feeling kicked in the teeth. Big yeah, I time. felt I felt sorry for all the businesses on yeah. Superior Street. You got to do something for them when you're you're doing that. It, it was rough, um, but it was a catalyst that um, really started pushing him and and I guess me being right. like okay so if now what you know what what do you want to do if if you're not gonna stay at the pub anymore if you're not gonna brew anymore what do you want to do and and he kept coming back to i don't know i want to make good food and i want to brew beer um i don't know what that means but i think that's what i want to do so yeah we were kind of kind of swirling with that in our head at the time and then COVID happened um and it was kind of a second catalyst of all restaurants got shut down right had you purchased anything and you made an investment yet before COVID hit we had not but we were thinking about it all right we are going to take a break and uh we're going to be right back after we hear from our sponsor Lake Superior Medical Equipment and uh, we will be right back to hear about uh, all things Lake Superior Brewing. Uh, Thank you and we'll take a quick break. Hi, Tom. What are you doing? I'm on hold on the phone trying to talk with someone in customer service. So far, I've just been talking to machines. Oh, hang on, Yvonne. Uh, Customer service, please. No, I don't want to listen to the menu again. I just... Customer service, please. No, I just want to talk to a human being. A human being. Oh, never mind, Yvonne. I just got disconnected. You know, Tom, there is still one company that thinks it's important for you to talk to a human being when you call for service. Lake Superior Medical Equipment. Really? You mean I won't have to talk to machines? No, their phones are answered by real people who know about the products and services they offer. So I can get answers to my questions right away? Yes, and from knowledgeable and friendly customer service representatives who are committed to answer your questions and promptly get you the right medical equipment and supplies you need. Yeah, but are these customer service representatives just scattered all over the country? No, Tom. Lake Superior Medical Equipment's customer service staff actually work at their locations in Duluth and Cloquet. So they live and work right here in our community? Yes. In fact, Lake Superior Medical Equipment is the only locally owned and independent medical equipment provider in our region. Okay, you've convinced me, Yvonne. When I need medical equipment and supplies, I'm calling Lake Superior Medical Equipment. And you'll be glad you did. Lake Superior Medical Equipment, the area's only locally owned and independent home medical equipment and supply company staffed by real people who really care. Visit us on our website at lsmedequip.com. Follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook at For the Love of Duluth Podcast and Lake Superior Medical Equipment. 
All right, we are back with Sarah Maxim of Lake Superior Brewing. And uh, Sarah, when we took a break, you were at the point now, maybe in 2019, you and your husband, Seth, had decided that you were going to possibly purchase a brewery. Was that always the goal was to purchase an existing brewery or were you thinking you'd just start from scratch at some point? We weren't necessarily thinking about anything. Um, we were definitely throwing out ideas. Right. Um, and like I said, the catalyst of, of of him kind of being losing his steam system and brewing um, downtown, and then um, you know, kind of kind of kick things into gear of thinking what's next. I did half jokingly, I think in 2019, threw it out to him and said, "Hey, what do you think about buying Lake Superior Brewing?" And he said, "Ah, you crazy!" And um, because it was kind of unofficially for sale right, right before it closed, um, but it was a pretty high dollar amount and definitely not in our our budget or uh, right. realm quite at that point. But I kind of did half throw it out. Seth has a kind of a longstanding relationship with Lake Spear Brewing. Um, Dale Kleinschmidt and him kind of go way back. Um, Lake Spear Brewing was really helpful when he brewed as far as if he needed help with something or needed grain or malt or supplies, he could run out there and grab something. For many years, they they washed his kegs for him because they have a keg washer or we have a keg washer yeah. now, I should say, um, where, you know, in the pub basement, it wasn't, it could take him, you know, days to wash kegs versus load them in his truck, call him out there and pick him up in a couple hours. So he he, he kind of had a long-standing um, relationship with them. In fact, when Dublin first opened, um, they were, you know, one of the first taps, um, Lake Spear Brewing, that was being poured um, by Dublin. And Lake Spear Brewing has been around for a long time, but it was never necessarily the cool brewery. Uh, right. They're very old school, you know, started by a, a great group of home brewers that love to make beer and drink beer, um, but didn't necessarily all have the same page uh, business sense-wise or, right, or right. direction with it. But um, it's definitely more that kind of old world more Germanic style um, beer, um, but that's something that Seth loved too and, and really appreciated. So all throughout their years, um, they always poured at least one or two taps of Lake Spear Brewing at, at Dublin Pub. So they kind of have that first uh, long time thing. I think the first dollar bill on the wall was by Dale Kleinschmidt um, oh, nice. as well, which is kind of awesome. So so anyways, yeah, we were kind of tossing uh, tossing out ideas, um, kind of trying to decide what was next, you know, in our, in our daydreams and kind of talking about the future you know, we had we had thrown out ideas of maybe opening a little cafe. Um, we had talked about like a bed and breakfast. That was kind of my my thing of like, wouldn't it be great to buy a big old mansion on London Road and turn it into a bed and breakfast, you know? But those were things that felt much further down the road. Right. Um, but yeah, when, when COVID happened, it really kind of kicked things into gear more, um, which as hard as that shutdown was, I think for a lot of people, it made them reevaluate life and what they were doing and, and why they're doing it or how they're doing it and it, it definitely did the same thing for us so Lake Sevier Brewing had been had kind of suddenly closed up and had been sitting almost as like a foreclosure type thing um, and um, the bank who had you know received it back uh, approached Seth and his dad and said hey got any interest and you know we, we started to, to think about it but then COVID happened and then we're like whoa right. this is crazy timing who's thinking about opening a business when the whole you know world right. is shut down uh, so we were kind of entertaining the idea looking at numbers trying to figure out if we could make it work, um, you know, um, talking about reopening 
it perhaps in the old location, which was in West Duluth, where it had been for many years. Right. Um, not a great location, kind of in a, an odd strip mall behind a subway, not a lot of visibility um, and and not really a, a, a tap room vibe or feeling right. per se, right. more warehouse kind of production feeling. So, you know, looking at numbers of, okay, if we stayed out there, you know, what would that look like? How much money would we put in, you know, to do a remodel out here? Um, it had long time rented out there. Um, in the process of talking, she was like, oh, by the way, got to raise the rent. And it was like almost tripled from what Lake Spirit Brewing had been paying for a long time. And so then we were like, well, I don't know if we want to be out here. And, you know, I think a lot of us in Duluth had been asking ourselves who's going to do something in Lakeside. Right. Um, when they lifted the alcohol ban, um, we definitely had. So Seth grew up in Lakeside. His parents still live on 42nd. Yeah. Um, and, wow, and you had a connection. Yeah, I had my early right, my early so. days, um, Lester River time out there. But yeah, we had kind of been asking ourselves for a long time of, okay, who's going to do it? When are they going to do it? Who's who's going to do it? Um, and and no one had done it. So yeah, during during shutdown, um, you know, I was kind of talking it over with Seth and a friend, and I was like, could we be in Lakeside? What? Maybe maybe we could be in Lakeside. So I pulled up the commercial zoning map of Duluth and kind of looked at all the areas that are commercially zoned and went for a drive in my car one afternoon and and uh, wrote down addresses and and started cold calling. Um, wow. Businesses. In wow. Lakeside. How smart. Not <laughs> crazy. But, yeah, because you know. I was wondering. It seemed like such a. But you know, you had you you saw it done before. You yeah. were Part of seeing a restaurant go from a used car lot to a restaurant. So you looked at a tanning salon and and gym Mm -hmm. where most people want to go open a brewery (laughs) would never have even thought about that that's that's never going to be a brewery sure and but you you had that background so you you weren't you didn't maybe have the same fear that other people in your position might have had Maybe I should have. No. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm sure, but I, I will I will just say, as a patron of your establishment, I don't think it could have turned out any better. It's it's lovely. I'm amazed. I you know because I used to you know ride my bike and and uh, we'll get to exactly where Lake Superior Brewing is closed for those of you who have maybe listening and haven't been there, but it's right on the bike trail. And right so, so, you know, you go by this uh, bike trail, you're biking around there and it's a tanning salon. You've heard maybe bits and pieces that Lake Superior Brewing is going to do it, but it's a tanning salon, it's a tanning salon. All of a sudden you started seeing these huge, you know, stainless steel vats outside. And they did. Like, they wow. lived outside for quite yeah. a while. <laughs> then, you know, it's like, boy, they must be getting serious about that. Uh, and then you yeah, could see construction on the back. So you were moving forward with the Brutel, which we'll get mm-hmm. to in a minute. And then, but it hadn't opened, hadn't opened. And then all of a sudden, I'm biking over there. And all of a sudden, you're open and you're packed. And I go by and there's people eating pizza and drinking wine. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I went and immediately got home, told my fiance, we've got to go to this place. So we, we uh, it wasn't that night, but maybe the next step, the weekend, we biked down there and we just had a great time. And so it's got to be really fun for you to now have all the struggles of going from maybe we could consider Lakeside and buying this tanning salon and saying, yeah, we're going to do this to what it is right now. It's just amazing. It's it's pretty it's pretty amazing. It was a a crazy a crazy dream. But both Seth and I are, are really hard workers, and I guess big dreamers. Um, maybe to the detriment of almost killing ourselves in the process. But we're we're really proud and we're really delighted 
to to be at the spot where we're at. We're we're still not finished. The brewery is still not finished. Right, right. Um, but we're we're getting there, and um, we'll we'll get there, and, and it feels feels good. Right. So. And in the meantime, even though so for those of you who haven't been to Lake Superior Brewing, first of all, you should get there because um, it's really just a fabulous place. Even though you don't have your brewery, it's not as if people can't have a beer there. Yeah. Um, not only beer, but we have a full cocktails bar and, and a great wine list and, and fabulous food, mm-hmm. fabulous food. And uh, when you, was that always your vision then was to have a full bar as well as eventually your own, your own brews? Yeah. So the, the state of Minnesota has two um, brewery licenses. Essentially you can do distribution where you kind of like Lake Superior Brewing used to do. They brew on site, they package, they distribute to liquor stores and restaurants and things like that. Or you can do a brew pub where you essentially, it's like baking bread. You bake bread and you sell out of the door. Um, this right. is brewing beer on site and selling out of the door. So it's a it's a pretty big shift for Lake Superior Brewing because it had been doing distribution for 20 something years um, where now it will only be in-house. Um, we plan on, on having pretty big focus and program on grab and go and being able to, to to buy. Um, the laws just changed now too, where we can sell 12 ounce um, cans and bottles. Not so just you don't have to commit to a, a large size, the, right. the crowler, or the growler, which I think makes it a little more approachable too. Um, you know, you can grab a six pack or something. So that was kind of the determining factor for us in in finding that building and, and defining, you know, we were hemming and hawing. Do we buy Lake Superior Brewing? Do we keep it as is? Do we switch it up? Do we do something totally different? And when we kind of asked ourselves what we love and want to do it really came down to more of that chef mentality um where um you know we'd we'd rather have food and have other delicious um, beverages and have a really good wine list and have the flexibility of not just mass producing 12 beers every year and putting out the same old same old uh kind of that chef mentality of hey these are our monthly specials or weekly specials we could do the same thing with beer um our, our plan is to have some staples um that will be kind of the the foundational right. um you know beers that that stay but it, it gives us more creativity and and more of that kind of um foodie you know mentality of of being able to have the the creativity and the flexibility of creating creating what we want um so that kind of defined it for us um and the building we found um you know was mixed use zoned which gave us a lot of flexibility to be able to to put in a brew pub there along with the the brutel piece as right. well so so yeah it was during covid um it was a total crazy idea to to buy a very rundown 8000 square foot building and um you know opening a restaurant or thinking about opening a restaurant um, during COVID, I think was also kind of a crazy thing, but we had right. faith that the world would come back. Right. Um, but we definitely designed our, our restaurant and our flow and even kind of our, our service um, system. It's a little different than most people are used to in Duluth. We have everyone start essentially at the host stand or right, counters right. Um, and we kind of start you off there and then we get you sat. But we designed it, um, you know, really during COVID because we didn't know what the future looked like. Exactly. We didn't know if there would be normal table service again exactly. or if we'd forever be six feet apart or if we'd need to pivot and you know deliver beer and pizza to people's homes so we we really were trying to think pandemic but also above and beyond and then both of us have 20 plus years in the industry of of food and beverage and hospitality and and really looking at what we knew was working what needed maybe to change a little bit um what we liked what we didn't like and so really just we we put a lot of intention and a lot of thought into our system some people it makes them very uncomfortable because it's different we have some people that come in 
and they're just like, oh, I'm confused. I don't like this. I just want to sit down, you know. Um, and then there's some people that once they've done it once or twice, they're like, this is amazing. The service is super fast. The food right, is super right. fast. Everybody's great. Everyone's happy. Everyone helps us. So I encourage people that maybe are uncomfortable um, with change or things being different because Duluth is that way too. I think we're a hearty group of Scandinavians that are very set in our ways right. and, you know, routine and change can be uncomfortable. So yeah, we're doing things a little different, but we we really were trying to, to look at our business model and think what needs to happen and, and how do we set something up and design it if we have to pivot again. Well, it's, it's a great vibe in there. And I have not stayed in, in any of the uh, the rooms that you have. They look fabulous on your website. They're really um, sweet. I just encourage people to go on the website. If you've got, uh, you know, I have people visit from out of town. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time we're, we're trying to find hotel space for them. We're trying to find Airbnb for them. Now, here's an option. Yeah. And a really fun one. Yeah, we have three three vacation rentals. So at the end of the brewery building, um, we super sound insulated it. So we're really proud that it's it really does feel very private and quiet right, and separate. Right. But we have a, a very spacious um, King Studio kind of suite with a full nice. kitchen and laundry. And then we've got a two-bedroom um, apartment with also full kitchen and laundry. And then we have the little house right behind us as well. Um, I'm in the process of turning the dining room into a bedroom um, because we have a lot of oh. families that stay and sleep on the couch. And then they're like, the right. couch is uncomfortable. So we have the little two-bedroom house behind as well, which is quite sweet. That's just fabulous. I'm just so amazed. It just, I, I, and we've had a lot of entrepreneurs on the uh, podcast and some some of your competitors, although I think in Duluth, everyone tries to give everyone else a helping yep. hand, even though ultimately yep. you're going to be competing. And Bent Paddle helped out Ursa Minor. Ursa Minor helps out the next one. Hoops Brewing helps out people. I mean, did you get that sense when you were opening too that, that people wanted to, or were they like, oh, we don't, we don't really need another brewery in this town. Like we need a home. <laughs> there was some of both. Okay. Um, you know, there's definitely some people that were like, oh, another brewery. We have too many. And I'm like, well, but this is the oldest brewery. Um, yeah. One of the oldest breweries in Minnesota. And then there, there's definitely been some people that have really come along the way and just like, hey, entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart. How can we help you? Um, and so, yeah, it's 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 been it's been both. Um, ben Paddle reached out to us initially right away and was just like, hey, how can we support you? What can we help you with? Um, here's what we've learned, kind of shared shared some of their stories. Um, it's part of the reason we started pouring Ben Paddle to start as right. our guest tap because they, they were one of the few breweries that reached out to us right away. When we purchased Lake Superior Brewing, I emailed, kind of sent an email to all the breweries just introducing my husband and I and saying we wanted to be good team members and community-minded and, and really right. just kind of outstretching a, an arm. And I know that people are busy and caught up in their own worlds and all of that, but I didn't get a lot of response just from two breweries. So the, the beers we're pouring right now are, are because of that. Give the handshake back in a way. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, I, I tell you what, I've been to your brewery. My my view is a you know, perfect Duluth day would either to be have your lunch pizza at your place and then bike all the way over to Lincoln Park yeah, and yeah. go and you can have dinner over there or start at lunch over in Lincoln Park and come all the way over uh, to your neck of the woods and you can do it without ever going on the roads. So so uh, you can bike to these places. So yeah. um, We do. Just... We, we'd like to set up kind of a network down the line of figuring out how to, to utilize the, the lake walk and really kind of almost do like a circle tour or something like that. It's, that, it's, you know. it's absolutely fabulous. And I, you know, I, I will say this. I think there's uh, there's certainly, you're certainly not the first brew pub to, to offer pizza. Your pizza is fabulous. But boy, there's a lot of stuff on your menu that you just don't find at your average brew pub. And I, you know, I was looking at, for instance, oysters. I mean, oysters. How, many, how many people have oysters? How many brew pubs have oysters? Where did, was that, was that your idea or Seth's? It was my idea. <laughs> 
what, he dragged what, his feet a little bit, what, to be what honest. Made, what made you think about oysters? Because, of course, you have to source them and chuck them and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, um, you know, we knew that we had to open smaller um, and maybe with a, a smaller menu. Um, we knew that we were likely going to have to open without our brewery. But we really wanted to be able to to brand ourselves and kind of put our best foot forward as far as being like, this is a small piece of, of who we are and what we want to do. Um, so we really tried to pick a, a simple menu, um, but at the same time, have comfort food and food that was familiar, like pizza and burgers, um, but also elevated in a way where people knew that, hey, if you like food and you're a foodie, um, there's plenty of things here for you. And obviously we plan on growing and nothing more till the brewery's finished, but um, you know, we plan on, we plan on growing um, and doing more, but we wanted to make sure that whatever the, the limited menu we thought at, at the time, if we were going to open with a limited menu, what's the best, um, you know, kind of uh, showing of, of who we are and what we want to do. And also, I mean, if you eat in Duluth, you know that there's limited um, food options right, and limited right. restaurants and limited um, diverse options. You know, it's kind of a lot of the same t- type of food everywhere. Right. And for people that are foodies and love to eat delicious food, it's, it's frustrating in Duluth to not have options where you right. can go get something different. So we felt that the oysters and, you know, some of the other things that we do on the menu were a little more, you know, world cuisine and ethnic and things that we've picked up in our travels um, that we thought were simple enough, um, but could elevate the menu and give people options that maybe they wouldn't find elsewhere. Do you have a favorite of uh, what you serve on the menu? Do I have a favorite? Oh, gosh. Um, I love it all. You know, I love it all. Uh, We're super proud of our pizzas. Um, Our pride did not want to do pizzas, but again, this is kind of born during the pandemic and we thought, who's surviving right now? Asian takeout and pizza. Um, And um, then we happened to find this pizza oven that was barely, barely used out of the Twin Cities. And so we're like, we're doing pizza. But how did you come up with a recipe? I could say, well, I want to open up a a restaurant, a pizzeria, and I could find a wood wood burning oven. And then it would kind of end with that because I wouldn't know how to, I wouldn't know how to, you know. Well, being that we're foodies, uh, we do a lot of cooking at home and we had been making pizza for quite a while at home. I have a little, I don't know, is it uni pizza oven? And we have a a green egg that we, you know, try to do it on the grill or smoker style in our oven. But yeah, we we're, we're geeks. Um, and so <laughs> we decided if we were going to do pizza that we wanted to do pizza, perfect pizza, um, but also do pizza differently than than you find in the Midwest or in Duluth. So we actually went to pizza school in New York um, wow. and did a, a five day master class with the New York brick oven, which does more of a Italian kind of old world New York style pizza and wow. came back feeling like, OK, we're going to have the we're best damn pizza yeah. in town. It's, so. really, it's really, really good. I just, I, I, everything I've had, I've really liked. There's things I haven't had yet. So obviously I have to go back. There's things I've had, you know, two or three times because it's just so good. And I, you know, I know I'm a creature of habit. You like I what you like. It. Yeah, it's okay. exactly, exactly. But anyway, for for anyone who hasn't been there, get yourselves and your family and whoever you're with down to Lake Superior Brewing. Do you want to let everyone know exactly what the address is? I've said, I think you said Lakeside, but. Yeah, so we are on the corner of 54th Avenue East and Superior Street. So 5324 East Superior Street is our address. We're kind of in between the, the two gas stations that were in the far Lester Park area. Just up from London Road or on your way to the grocery store or headed up the shore. And right on the bike trail. And right on the literally bike trail. Literally right yep. on the bike we are, trail. Yep, we are literally the lot on the lake yeah. walk. Um, at first we thought, how cool would it be to have like a big patio going out to the lake walk? But it just didn't work well in, in the layout. But we're we're still really close to, well, to be able to jump off. Well, you got a great patio on 
Superior Street. Now so it's, it's 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 fabulous. We did. We poured a poured a sweet little spot. In the yeah, front, it's so. it's absolutely fun. I'm so excited for you. What you you did just takes so much courage and creativity, and uh, and uh, I'm just so glad that you did it because it's just great. It's great to have a place now in East Duluth where you can have a beer, have a cocktail, have some great food, and uh, not necessarily have to go to the other end of town to do that. So thank you. Um, so Sarah, thank you so much for, for being here. We are running out of time. One question we like to ask, because this is the For the Love of Duluth podcast, is when you're not doing what you're doing, um, running your restaurant and Brutel, what do you like to do in Duluth? We love all things Duluth. I mean, we're we're big hikers. We're big, you know, anything water related. My kids and I, we spend a lot of time out in um, like Seven Bridges Road and Lester, oh, sure. River, yeah. Lester River, throwing rocks and swimming and Park Point, the beach, oh, it's, you know, yeah. all. All, all things Duluth that are pretty awesome. We we pretty much my kids live in the water. Um, you know when cool. when they can. Kids? We didn't four in. and seven. Oh, four and seven. Funny. Four and seven. Boy, girl. Boy and a girl. Wow. Yeah, they were two and five when we started, and fun. It's been a very long, probably the hardest, craziest, most painful two years we've ever done. I bet. Um, but it kind of feels like we're on the tail end of a marathon, and you can see the finish line, right. and, and it feels really good. So. And, and uh, you're thinking you're going to actually have your own uh, brewing when? Yeah. So we're we're hoping spring here. Um, we were kind of shooting for February. Kind of depends on time. This has been a rough uh, school year with small yeah, kids. Anyone yeah. that has families uh, can feel the pain, but we've had a lot of illness um, since September started. Oh, yeah. And when you have two parents in the same business and two small kids, um, it really cuts into to working time. Um, so we've been trying to make sure that we're keeping the restaurant going and, and you know, consistency is a big priority to us, but it's, it's cut into our getting extra things crossed off the list because I've had pretty much chronic illness yeah. since um, well, September everyone, with, everyone with our I kids know and their family. Everyone singing the same tune. So a rough, you're, you're a not, rough uh, You're go. not alone and uh, we'll get through it. I know you will get through it because you've already gotten through what you've done and, <laughs> and, and you're on the home stretch and uh, what you've already accomplished is amazing. And Thank you. Uh, again, I hope uh, all our listeners head to Lake Superior Brewing because you're in for a treat. So Sarah, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of For the Love of Duluth. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, where we tease upcoming guests, have fun giveaways, and remind you when new episodes drop. And of course, subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. Just search for For the Love of Duluth. Thanks for listening. We'll see you for our next episode of For the Love of Duluth.